the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 124, and our guest is Shane Smith. Shane is the lead singer and principal songwriter for his band, Shane Smith and the Saints. Shane Smith and the Saints hail from Austin, Texas. They have released three excellent full-length studio records, Coast, Geronimo, and their most recent album, Hail Mary, as well as a live recording live from the desert. Their latest single is called Fire in the Ocean, and you are hearing a sample of that tune during this episode. Shane Smith and the Saints recently enjoyed a much-deserved bump in notoriety after their music was featured in the hit show Yellowstone. We caught up with Shane on the band's tour bus ahead of their performance at the Abbey in Orlando, Florida last week. Y'all, it is my great pleasure to bring you my conversation with Shane Smith. Rather than use the sure yeah, uh-huh, capsule, yeah. they'll literally take the sure capsule off and put on the SEB7. No shit. And it's like a hundred bucks each. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Patreon patrons, as you're listening to this, um, <laughs> exactly. increase your, or if you're not a Patreon patron, go ahead and join so we can get the yeah. fancy. Shane Smith said so. Um, dude, thanks for doing this. Yeah, no doubt, dude. Yeah. I, yeah, thank you for taking the time as I well. I appreciate it, man. It, um, I always put out on speaking to Patreon and on Twitter, I always put out like who people want to hear from. Right. And yeah. I've been listening to your music for a while and your name comes up almost every time really? I ask that question. That's awesome. So we've got some folks listening who are like really, really big fans. And so I'm excited for myself selfishly cause I'm yeah. looking forward to picking your brain, but also I'm stoked for my, for our fans yeah. who've been asking for yeah. you for a while. And you know? to those fans. Thank you. Love right? you guys. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> we've got some awesome fans out there, man, man. I, and I, I do want to talk about that. I, you know, there's so much I want to talk to you about. And, and one of the things that today I was walking around, I went for a stroll and I was just like listening to your records and spending some time with them. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking about some of the things that I've, I've noticed as like, uh, as, th- as themes to the, to the music. And you have this ability to, to write these fucking bangers that are also 
dripping with imagery and tell these beautiful, incredible, layered stories. And we were talking earlier about some great songwriters, and some of them can do that, right? Some of them are, are, are able to, to mix those things, and then some of them it's much more about the story or the imagery or it's about the melody. But for you guys, like you're able mm-hmm. to, to write these songs that are both something I want to stop and hear what you're saying and then also get me fired up. Can you talk a little bit about like how aware you are or are not of that phenomenon? And like, is that something you're thinking about when you're writing? Man, it's, uh, I think, look, overall, I think our band has done this for such a long time that we've evolved over time and it's kind of like changed a little bit over Mm -hmm. time. And like, um, but even at its core, like in the first, in the first recordings, I think there was still an aspect to that of like, like banger chorus meets like really heartfelt lyrics or whatever. Like there's some of that there also in the Mm -hmm. very first recordings. But, um, I started out listening so much to, uh, like Adam Carroll and, and Ray Wiley Hubbard and these Mm -hmm. people like that to where I put like this huge emphasis on, um, I put like a really big emphasis on, uh, on the lyrics, like early on, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and then over time, you know, you start listening to different music and, and, uh, I think I started writing a lot toward like what I wanted the show to be like and like how, you know, like what are we missing in our show to make it like bigger and, and, and more awesome. Mm. And, um, cause you know, at the end of the day, like you can be like super passionate about one particular thing, like the lyrics, for example. But at the end of the day, it's like, you're trying to, you're trying to make it also, you're trying to make a living. You're trying to like have, be able to pay the bills and, and just, I think over time, like I started like, you know, what am I doing wrong? You know, like having questions like that. And, um, but all the while it was also like, how can we make the show cooler? And so then it was almost like as a result of that, like having the grounds of, really caring about the lyrics and then combine that with like how cool can we make the show it kind of turned into that type of thing i think over time when did you do you want to i don't want you to have to stay in there if you wanted to come through yeah you could add to the are y'all going to experience universal or no what that's a bummer Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not worth it. Yeah. Oh my god, I, I forgot about that. He legitimately does pass out on roller coasters. Like I've had to like hold his neck up and stuff. It. Man. He loves it, but what? he literally blacks out. No, no. That's why I don't do it. That's yeah. why I'm not dying on that motherfucker. Yeah. I know people don't die, but I, whatever. Um, not my kind of party. Was there like a, you mentioned sort of, I I forget the exact, we got to talking about roller coasters, so I forget the exact language you used, but there was a moment where you were talking, I think the words you used was like level up with a a live performance. And was there a moment where you kind of had this realization of what you wanted to change? Or was that just sort of like something that seeped into your consciousness? I think it was just like, I think it was just like over time, it was just, it was like a subconscious thing. I was just kind of like, 
you just want the shows to be awesome and you you know you want the energy to be awesome and um even like from the very get-go it's like like when we started playing like on sixth street like way back in the day mm -hmm. like we open all of our shows with that intro of last of the mohicans that like really awesome like anyways it's we just uh it's just like this instrumental that we kind of made more into like a rock version of it and we still today do that because it's like i care so much about like the show itself being like high energy and like the fans like getting the fans like jacked for the the set and stuff like that and and so you know it's like i guess it was technically you know i was thinking through that type of thing from the very get-go but i don't know i think over time it's definitely evolved and the sound has evolved like um even like that new song that we just put out fire in the ocean it's like if you listen to that the lyrics are deep um but they're not like the focus necessarily of it yeah. you know what i'm saying it's yeah. more of like a it's a big sounding song yeah and and the lyrics of it are i think i think it hits home to a lot of people but it's like not the total focus of it mm -hmm. and uh whereas at one point i think the lyrics really were the like the focus the total focus of it and so my hope is that in terms of writing, I can keep doing, I can turn into somebody that can churn out songs like what you're talking about, like consistently, where it's like, it's a banger song, it has high energy, it's like arena rock, but it has like mm -hmm. some of the deepest lyrics, like, you know, that would just kind of like stop you in your tracks, you know, that's yeah. the goal, like for sure, for me. But I think that is so, and that's why I wanted to ask that question, because that, again, I, if I can think of a handful of folks that do it, but not many can pull that off, yeah. you know, and I, and I, I think it's impressive. And maybe, maybe there isn't even a question in this other than just to compliment you is that there's something that y'all do where you are able to maintain that balance. I mean, and that you're talking about the new song, like there's a lot in there as well. Yeah. Right. Like you're yeah. right. It is, it, it is bigger maybe than right. some of the other stuff, but it's not like it's, um, just hook driven or something there's still plenty to latch on to and plenty to consider in that tune and that's such a special thing to be able to capture that y'all do so well yeah yeah well i i appreciate that a lot i i do um it's definitely the goal is that for me personally like that's like the ultimate is you know if at some point we can be selling out like you know really big amphitheaters on our own and um and you know having these banger songs that people sing along on the courses but it's like people are also crying in the verses and yeah. stuff you know uh -huh. what i mean like yeah. that's like the ultimate goal yeah i i you you can i mean that's like that's what y'all are doing um i, I thought it feels to me at least like that's a trajectory that you're on and um but I, i'm interested in also taking it back a little bit to take you know to like the the early days you mentioned austin and yeah um I'm reading right now uh, Her Country by Marissa R. Moss. And she's talking about, like, um, Casey Musgraves and uh, Marin Morris and all these folks who are Texas folks who were Texas famous and then didn't really get to that amphitheater arena kind of level until they got to Nashville, until they made the move to Nashville. Yeah, I'm interested in that from from your perspective and y'all, you know, the choices that you're thinking about as you think about your career. You 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 built this Texas famous thing. You're starting to get a lot more national notoriety. 
especially in the last few months. And I'm interested in that, like being rooted in Texas, right. And being a Texas band, but also as you think about the broader picture, how that impacts specifically your, your creative process and your thinking around writing songs. Man, I'm trying really hard not to let it affect mm. the writing. Like I'm, I'm really trying to not, I'm, I'm just thinking about our fans. Like what, what do our fans like and what, what do I like? You know, what do I listen to? What do, me and the guys, like, mm. what do we think is cool? Mm-hmm. And there are certain things that we've done and we've, and, and we've checked that box or whatever. And there's certain things we haven't done yet. And, um, you know, I, but yeah, like, so we definitely did, we built up our fan base originally, like in, in Texas. And it was, um, you know, like that whole, like red dirt, Texas country world. And, um, and I've got to say something about that. Like, it's incredible that that fan base exists mm-hmm. because I've toured in almost every state, you know, we as a band have, have played, I think in almost every single state in the U S and, um, and uh i've never seen anything like that before you know like our buddies that are in bands and in you know portland and our our buddies that are in bands outside of dc and over in virginia and these different places like they don't have that yeah they don't know what that is and and you have to give props like to these like like radio stations like 95.9 the ranch in fort worth texas like we probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that radio station like giving us all this love Mm -hmm. meanwhile they have clear channel like mad at them that they're playing it but Mm -hmm. it's like no they believe in it and they're like doing it coke fm in austin you know um i mean there's like all these radio stations down there that have truly like given us love and they have been the ones that um you know they influenced like all these blogs to start up and all these people to put on festivals and like um you know, originally you've got guys like Jerry Jeff Walker and, and people like that that are building up these organic fan bases in Texas. And and then, you know, that over time you end up getting like Pat Green. And yeah. then around that same time, you've got all these dudes in Oklahoma that are starting to get recognition in the same uh, uh, in the same audience, you know, with uh, Cross Canadian and mm-hmm. Stoney and Jason Boland and mm-hmm. uh, all these guys and. Um, it's turned into a really cool thing, you know, and like, and it's, it's kind of funny to me because it's like a lot of times when something's like really cool and really, um, worth being envious of people will talk trash on yeah. it. You know what I'm yeah, saying? 100%, and, I, yeah. and it's so hilarious to me how much trash the industry in Nashville talks on that. Yeah. And yet, meanwhile, you have these guys that can actually like push 4,000 tickets in a single night. Yeah. Maybe it is in Texas. Maybe it is in like four markets in Texas, but they could still push 4,000 tickets. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, I don't know. It's, and, it's but, really cool. Like, and, and that's cause the songs are good and the bands are good. <laughs> and the, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, I agree with you, man. When I hear that, well, it's stuff, organic. A lot yeah. of it's organic, yeah. you know? And I think a lot of it's becoming like a lot of the music. I'm not saying all the music there is good. Sure. Like, don't get me wrong. Like sure. there's a lot of it that, isn't great um and uh but at the same time it's like especially i feel like early on you know it was just like super organic music you know it was at the end of the day it was like people 
playing what they were into and no one was telling them what to write no one was telling them what to do mm-hmm. um i mean look at like i don't know like look at evan felker and like yeah. turnpike and john fulbright and you know oh, all these guys i mean it's like yeah it's incredible the music that's that they wrote you know and and yeah. what fulbright you know the stuff he puts out and even even john moreland and like yeah there's just so there's just a lot of really good music that comes out of there and uh, a lot of that gets bundled into the same thing but i don't know i i just find it funny like a lot of like the big industry music industry like really talks down on all that oh they're just like another red dirt act like yeah Yeah. you know we're gonna pass or whatever and it's just like man i don't know dude there's a lot of like really good stuff and uh when you label something like that it's a lot easier Yes. To talk down to yes, it, it and if you're actually taking each one of them at face value that stuff changed the way i listen to music i mean yeah. there i can point to lots of moments in my life where i heard something and i went like oh shit this is a new yeah. portal in my in my mind and when i was in college that's when pat green and cory morrow and jason bolin you mentioned i saw jason bolin at billy bob's right after college mm-hmm. this is like the early 2000s for me right and mm-hmm. i'm seeing all these guys and some of them at the time where we used to we used to follow pat would come through the south and we would we would go to athens to see him and we yeah. would go to we would go <laughs> all over the place we'd take road we'd have any money right we'd, we you know we'd just like go and we'd camp in our cars to see pat green and right. every show he would stay after and take pictures with everybody yeah. and he put on the best fucking show you've ever seen and the songs were great and the energy was great and at that time you're talking about thousands of people in georgia right. going to see him right, right. so uh, there's it's interesting how once you put a label on that you, it's a lot easier to dismiss it yeah than when you're there in it and you see in those moments yeah and i feel like for us we've always been and I say this a lot in interviews, but I don't know of what other way to put it. I feel like we've always kind of been a little bit of an outcast, an outsider to yeah. that uh-huh. scene. Like, you know, we were never the ones headlining. We were never the ones like with like top five radio in those markets, but we were always still playing those festivals and getting a lot, you know, um, getting some airtime on some of those bigger stations that are down there. Yeah. Um, but you know i definitely i i i love that i love the fact that we kind of straddle that line i love the fact that you know we don't like are we we're definitely looped in with all of it and we, and we are a part of it and that is our like the the core of our fan base and they're like some of the best fans you could ever ask for mm-hmm. but at the end of the day we have another foot that's in a much bigger pool and and i love having that balance of that you know and and um you know having you know, it, it would be, it's such a cool thought to me to have like a, almost like a, uh, you know, folk rock meets like Springsteen meets like, you know, Mumford and Sons or the Eagles or something like that. Just like a bigger sound, you know, and, and, uh, and, but I love it that that is such a big part of our fan base down there. I think it's great, man. Cause you can do that and still write these incredible, like I said, these stories and these characters, so many characters in your songs. There's so many people that I can identify with that I want to latch onto. And I, when I listen to music for me, I listen to all kinds of music for sure. But ultimately the stuff I gravitate toward is the mm-hmm. stuff where the, the character is somebody that 
I can sink into a little bit that I can see myself in that I can see a friend of mine in, that I can see a loved one in. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that I think really jumps out about your music is that you are writing these songs that can exist in those worlds you just described. Mm -hmm. Um, but also those characters and those, the, the humanity to the right, to the people that you're talking about, like Mm -hmm. you're so good to those characters and they clearly matter to you. And that comes through in the music. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate it a lot. Um, I don't know. I, I uh, definitely, like, we've got some new music that we've recorded here recently mm. that is definitely mm. kind of more in the in the whole boat of, like, just, like, bigger sounding overall. You know, it still has mm-hmm. our sound to it. It has big harmonies and stuff like that, but it's not as focused around the, um, the storytelling side of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so my hope, though, is that I can find that balance of just, like, you know, accomplishing both you know yeah i think that's like the overall goal for sure well it's happening so far and i'm sure it will continue to i one of the things that comes out to me you know today especially as i was spending some extra time with your music i was thinking about um some of the some of the uh the religious or spiritual kind of themes that come through like uh, when i was listening to um geronimo there's a couple of songs that that hit me about sort of like religion or spirituality the the obvious one being right side of the ground and like it's something that we talk about on the show a lot mortality existence spirituality mm-hmm. and i'm wondering what your your relationship is like with mortality spirituality existence and how much that plays into your writing uh it's a big part for sure like um I'm not necessarily like an extremely religious person, but I absolutely uh, would call myself a Christian and um, Mm -hmm. a believer and a very spiritual person. Very, uh, um, I very much like am a believer with all that. And, um, but at the same time, I'm not like, you know, I disagree with a lot of, uh, a lot of the stuff within like, you know the religion itself and the way that a lot of it's carried out and like where a lot of the money goes that's raised and stuff mm-hmm. like that and mm-hmm. um you know there's it, i i uh, again i think that there's it, it's incredible but there's just some of that that i disagree with and and i think i'm a little bit more open-minded when it comes to like just spirituality in general and and it's uh, it's definitely a big part of my writing, and and mm-hmm. uh, again, it's a huge part of humanity. It's a very it's like everybody relates to that to an extent, even if you're not a believer. Like, you know, like you know what happened. Uh, you know, if you lose a loved one, or like where'd they go? Like we don't we're, we we do not know. Like I mean, that's something everybody deals with, and it's a v- extremely real, like very real thing. Yeah. And um, and so it's a very big part of of the writing because you know it's it's very real to me and and it's really relatable and um it you know when you sing about stuff like that it moves people and and uh and yeah like right side of the ground you mentioned that that was something like my brother is a really funny character one of my brothers connor uh is always like you know joking around and uh just always has these like hilarious kind of like one-liners or whatever and 
you know, somebody one one night at a party was like, oh, so-and-so died. It was like some, like, celebrity or somebody. It was like, oh, mm-hmm. shit, wrong side of the ground. Like, <laughs> man, like, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, or something like that. And and that kind of, like, stuck with me. And, um, and he is also someone who's gone through, like, really bad, like, relationship stuff early on. Like, when we were in high school, like, hey, this girl that like, cheated on him, like, hardcore. And they were like, you know, I think he thought they were going to get married and all this stuff. It just like hit him real hard. It was, and, uh, and I ended up writing that song kind of around that whole thing, you know, and, and just like the struggle of getting through that and, and trying to come out on the other side, you know, a, a better person or whatever. But at the end of the day, that's tough, you know, it's so really tough, tough stuff. And, um, and it's something you don't necessarily ever get over, you know, but you, you like get, you get through it and then you try to move on or whatever. And, um, in the same way with death and, uh, anyways, but that's where that kind of, uh, that was the origin of that song was from him and him saying that. Such a tough, it's yeah. I mean, this has come up recently in conversation where I was talking about when you're in your teens, late teens and, uh, early twenties, when those things hit you, depending on your life experiences, but I think it's true for everybody in those, mm-hmm. you know, and you just don't have the skills yet. You don't have the life experience yet, no matter what your life was like. Yeah. Some people already have more experiences than others. Some people are more emotionally mature than others at that point. But when that shit hits you then, it's not like it's easy in your 40s or in your 30s or whatever, or your 50s even, when you hit the really heavy stuff. But at that time, I look back on some of those times, when I'm going through tougher times now, I try to lean on the experiences that I went through then. Mm-hmm. But I also am reminded of how much more intense it was when I was like 23 yeah. or 22 or For 21 sure. than once I've had the life experience, you know, to, to do that, to handle it. And I'm interested like in that for you guys have been doing this longer than I think a lot of folks realize, Yeah, you know, and you've been writing pretty mature very mature songs from a pretty early age. Did you feel like you were like you had a certain either life experience or you were a, an older soul or anything like that? I totally think I'm an old soul <clears throat> for sure. And I think my wife is as well. She and mm-hmm. I connect on that front like big time and we'll find ourselves like, I don't know why, but it's like, we're always drawn to like the, like really older you know figures and like a lot of our loved ones in our lives and in our friend group and stuff like Mm -hmm. even like uh you know one of our biggest fans this guy uh bob dillard bobby d we call him but like i mean it's like she and i i think are so drawn to like uh like the wisdom that a lot of these people like hold Mm -hmm. you know like older folks and Mm -hmm. like and uh i think there's something there's just something there that is reflected a little bit in the lyrics like you know and, mm-hmm. and it's been like that since I was, like, in high school. When I was, like, writing in high school, one of the first gigs I had, uh, one of the first opportunities I had to, like, play the songs that I wrote from high school and in the beginning of college was when I was, uh, I guess I was a freshman in college at this time, and I was living at in Tyler, Texas, at, and going to Tyler Junior College, and there was a bar called XLN, that was like right down the street and it was like a a pool biker bar type place and there was this uh biker gang called the cossacks that 
were like a really serious like biker gang they were in that shooting in waco that happened it was like a real big shooting years and years later but um a lot of those the heads of that biker gang would go and hang out there after hours and i would go over there because i got to be friends with the general manager this guy named sean and he would let me play for these guys and i was like probably 19 or something at the time and so i had no business you know whatever like being in there but he would let me go in there to play for these guys and they're literally selling meth like right in front of me and stuff and like there would be like strippers come over when they were getting off their shift and be like four in the morning and we're out there and i'm singing and and uh oddly enough one of those dudes this old this older guy his name was like his nickname was like bear or big bear or something <laughs> like that like this big uh-huh. old dude looked like david allen coe kind of <laughs> and uh he was like man you're singing about stuff like way beyond your years, man. Like where, what is going on here? And then, and I think it's literally just kind of that, like that old soul, whatever that concept is. It's just like, I'm just interested in things that I think a lot of people, a lot of older people would be, you know, interested in. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. But even at that point, I remember like kind of that was acknowledged to me for the first time when I was like 19 and someone was like hey you're like writing stuff that's like you should be writing different stuff than this at the age of 19 like your, your interest should be on something some yeah. different stuff than yeah you know than like the you know r- describing like wrinkles on a face or yeah. like on a hand or like a to, you know like veins like roots in the ground and shit you know just weird you know metaphors and stuff like that and <laughs> and uh anyway so I, I definitely just think it's something that's uh you know everybody's interested in their own type of thing and for some reason i'm drawn to stuff that a lot of older people are drawn to also lyrically you know it makes me think of that i wish i'd written down this particular lyric that I, that hit me earlier uh about the snow in salt lake city mm-hmm. it's one of your songs i'm trying to think of what the fucking lyric was but whatever it was the way you described it was so like it just felt like this incredibly uh perceptive way to describe um uh, the scene and i wish i could think of the fucking it's like in all i see is you yeah yeah it is yeah yeah, yeah. it's like um it's like the nights in salt lake city where the snow fell down too soon yes people the snow laughed fa- and held from their beers but all i could see was you yes or whatever like where the just snow kinda, fell down too soon. That's such a simple yeah. thing that's not so simple, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's such a simple thing that does happen and that it does then lead to those interactions between human beings yeah. and it changes people's behavior. And it's such a perceptive thing, mm-hmm. you know, and that... But that's also, like, that goes back to, like, the dudes I was listening to in, in high school, like, mm-hmm. and college, is, like, the Adam Carroll, uh, you know, Hayes Carl does that type of thing a lot. Does, like, yeah. Adam Carroll does, Ray Wiley does it, like... A lot of those people are very descriptive and very imagery based with their lyrics, like setting a painting, yeah, like setting the scene, you know, yeah, in yeah. your mind to visualize what's going on. And I've always been drawn to that, like big time on like the visuals of it. You yeah, know what I'm saying, yeah, it's probably because I'm dumber than the average person. Well, <laughs> probably, I doubt that's like, the case. Are you like, you know, a, but are you a visual yeah, learner? Very much a yeah. Visual person, does yeah. not make you any less yeah, intelligent well, than anybody else. I'm, yeah. Not the sharpest tool <laughs> in the, the thing, but I've always been, I've always been very much like a visual, visual type of person. And, um, and yeah, I, I think a lot of, you know, 
that goes back into like what you're saying. I think it in turn ends up being sounding kind of a little bit beyond beyond the years or whatever whenever you're writing it but at the end of the day it's just kind of being more visual and like paying attention to stuff like that i love that i feel like there's a a big writing lesson in that because it sounds like you're almost discounting your ability to your ability with words you're almost and there may be just some, some modesty in that is what you're kind of expressing here that but you know, for me as a as a writer, I'm constantly thinking about the words themselves. Whatever mm-hmm. I'm writing, I'm like really in the weeds about my word choice and thing. And Hayes is that way too, I think. Mm-hmm. Hayes was a couple episodes ago I interviewed Hayes and That's he, awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. And he he seems to think about it in that way based on lessons he learned from people like Guy Clark yeah. and Ray Wiley Hubbard that you mentioned a couple of times. But it sounds like there's a great let I'm learning here as I hear you to think about like that you are picturing this scene and then you're going to those words. Whereas it feels like a lot of times when I sit down to write, I'm so caught up in the weeds of the words that I'm not as much just letting the picture flow. Yeah. I think that, I think it's, there's some back and forth with that. I think like there's certain times where you hear a line. It's like what I was talking about. My brother saying that, you know, is on the wrong side of the ground or whatever just like lightheartedly saying that like that's like a line that w- might stick with you and then you know you save that for later and then all of a sudden it becomes something and then um you know just as equally though like you might have some very uh visual thing that you're trying to like just like paint a picture of and and uh and so the words that come out they just kind of like come out and then you might have to rework them or whatever, but it's kind of like based around a visual that's in your mind, you know? Before we started rolling, you and I were talking about James McMurtry, and mm-hmm. that's how he describes his process, that he hears a line and that the songs come from lines. Yeah. Which made it very difficult to get into his process, too, because, like, as I was talking to him years ago trying to interview him, it's like, well, I, how do you replicate that? I, I don't know. I guess you either have it or you don't, or maybe it's a practice thing, but that really struck me and he, and I've heard him say it in, in other interviews too, mm-hmm. how it comes from the line. And then once he has the line, then the rest of the story kind of comes, yeah. you know? Yeah. There's a line that I'm working off of right now that I randomly thought of. Mm. And it was, uh, I just thought it was kind of cool. She never could escape my mind. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, as if there is an actual person like trying to get out. It's like, yeah, no, I yeah. just, I can't get over her. You know, it's like, she yeah. it can't, like, I can't let it go or whatever. And it's like, you know seeing it as that you i know? love it does she want to be lost in there yeah does she yeah not want to be like, lost in there yeah like could she get out of she yeah. oh, kind of creating a character out of like a, a morning you know what i'm yeah, saying yeah like, yeah yeah but um i hope that comes and so that right yeah. there is like an example of like that you know that's a more of a line based thing it's still a visual thing you know if you think about it but yeah it's a very visual thing yeah but it's also more you know there's a song that will eventually be something kind of based more around that line you know yeah for sure um can we go back to the biker bar for a second yeah yeah. because i'm interested in when you first started telling that story i'm picturing like that they're going to want to hear david allen coe and like hank williams jr and stuff but it sounds like you were playing a lot of your own stuff yeah i was singing a lot of my own stuff and stuff that i was just excited to play for somebody because i was writing so much at that Mm. time I was like still so new to writing but it's like you know 
like riding a bike or something like when once you get it all of a sudden you like mm. you want to ride your bike like yeah everywhere you yeah know? and i think it was like that for me with the uh songwriting like once once i had a couple under my belt and it was almost like okay i can do this like you know just it, it was like okay i can't do this enough i'm just like constantly going to be working on this and and i mean the songs are for the most part horrible but still it was like <laughs> that feeling of like you're just excited to get it out and and so once you do get those out like you're so excited to play them or sing them for somebody you know and that yeah. was that was an opportunity for me to like just sing songs in general for somebody and get comfortable with that because that took a long time to get comfortable you know singing in front of other people how did you know how did you know a that you were comfortable but also that you went from these songs that you weren't you look back on maybe and are like these these weren't all that great to songs that you started to become proud of or started to go like oh shit i kind of got something here um i was never comfortable doing it like for a long time okay like, for years i would and i would make myself <laughs> like i was excited about the songs or whatever but i was also like um like i remember like i sang in like a talent show when i was like a senior in high school in Kaufman, Texas, where I went to high school. Mm -hmm. And I just remember I was like scared to death. Like I was so scared. And then, um, same thing. Like by the time I was in Tyler, in Tyler, I was uncomfortable with it, but I was still, I was okay because I got real comfortable just singing, you know, to a group of friends and stuff. Like I I got, I got past that phase of it in Tyler. It like where you just like get comfortable singing a song for your buddies or whatever. Yeah. And that was essentially like that to me, just like singing for a group of buddies, like those dudes, you know, that, that would show up. And, um, but it was like going and doing the song, like the uh, open mic nights. Like I remember when I moved mm. to Austin for the first time, I was trying to finish college, and um, every week I made like I had a calendar of every single open mic night I could find in the city of Austin, which there's a lot of them. Yeah, and yeah. I would go to like four of them each night. A lot of times, like. I would go and hit like as many as I could these open mic nights. Yeah. And I was just trying to find for one, I knew I was going to have to do that and get used to it or whatever. But I also was just trying to get some kind of a gig, like some kind of an acoustic gig somewhere. Mm-hmm. Cause I knew uh, that was just going to have to happen in order to, um, in order to make any headway at it, you know? And, um, mm-hmm. it was, it's like, it's like you can look up to different figures. Like I really looked up to, I still do, like look up to like Ray Wiley, for example, or like to these different musicians. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden there's a moment of like, holy crap, you got to play in front of people and like get comfortable. <laughs> and, and it's almost like realizing like, you, you know, you got to do that. If you, you know, if you want to try to make a living at this and you want to try to do this, like you're going to have to get past that. And, and I think that was me trying to force myself to like get, get comfortable and and so it's like just throw yourself in there and try to get get comfortable with it and I that's why I wanted a gig I think so bad it wasn't like I was trying to make money or whatever at the at that time I think I was just trying to force myself like throw myself to the wolves almost like you have to get used to this you know at some point in a in a weekly gig or like every two every other day type of gig would 
uh, that's three hours, I knew that would make it happen quicker than anything. And so yeah. then before long, you know, you're doing like margarita night, dollar margarita, happy hour at El Arroyo every single Thursday. And then whiskey Wednesdays every single Wednesday at Shiner Saloon. And then Hills Cafe Tuesday, you know, it's like you just start doing that. And then that's when you really, you know, I think that's when I started getting really comfortable with it. Man. But at I don't know that there's been much of a moment for me personally where I'm like, oh, I've got, oh, I think I've got something here or whatever, like mm. with the songs. I mean, I'm, there's been, a, there's been some really cool moments, but I think I get so locked in, like, like super focused during the show where I'm like not really absorbing it as yeah, much as yeah. a lot of people maybe can. And I think I'm more like, it's more of an output than an input like mm -hmm. the whole time mm -hmm. and I'm like not necessarily taking a ton of it in and it's like a it's probably a unhealthy habit or whatever but it also is like um I, I come from a family that was like a lot of athletes and like and um they're oddly enough me and all my brothers when I when we were little my parents had us playing tennis when I was a kid and like we played tennis like it, all the way like through college me and my brothers and and um you know it's kind of odd being in like a little kind of country town or yeah. whatever and like you know there's not really yeah. many people to relate to on that but like that's what they had us do and so that's what we did and and uh but my dad was you know he was a kicker for Notre Dame and for the Kansas City Chiefs for a short period of time and and his dad was like a legend, like football legend at Notre Dame back, you know, way back in like the fifties or something. And, and, uh, so he, I've been surrounded by coaches my whole life. My mom's dad was a football coach. My dad's dad was a coach. Like my dad was a, a, a coach for, you know, like any of the kickers, like in the local football, you know, teams around, like he would go and like, try to mentor the kickers and stuff like that and so it's like I think that was so like hardwired in me where it's just like no like focus like it's like you know that whole like it's game time or whatever it's like don't, you're not you're not soaking in what the audience is doing in the stands you're not like absorbing the moment you're yeah. focused on kicking a field goal from 60 yards out in between these two uprights and you can't think about anything else you yeah, know like yeah and I think that 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 type of thing was like and I wasn't a kicker I'm just saying like the right. mentality of like the way we were raised as kids it was so focused like as if a coach was raising you almost like mm -hmm. that I, I think that it's like kind of hardwired I mean my wife is almost like gets on to me a lot and is like you've got to like learn to kind of absorb some of these moments and you know but at the end of the day I just like I just want to like you know make sure it's as good as it can be and just focus on the show you know that's so great. I I think in tennis especially is so fo it's so it's focus only driven. You. It's, it's like a, it's just you. same as boxing, it's same yeah. as golf. I mean, it's like you and your mind. Yeah. is going to win or lose that situation. I feel like that's an advantage in a lot of ways as a performer. It is, but it, it definitely will cause you to like, you know, you can come through if you'll need to. Yeah. Um it definitely is, but it will uh <laughs> it'll definitely kind of hardwire your brain to be more like focused on uh just like getting through it and being like 
it's all output like i was saying before it's like all focused on like delivering you know yeah 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 man that's so great you've been so generous with your time and energy and everything we usually end on the art that has you inspired at the moment um could be music you're listening to could be a painting you saw could be a film you saw recently or what's got you fired up right now man i think it's i think what's got me motivated right now is seeing a lot of these younger dudes um come out of the woodwork as like songwriters and like Mm -hmm. really putting a lot of focus on it like Mm -hmm. um been fortunate to like get to know like uh zach bryan recently and like charles wesley godwin a lot of these guys it's like a new generation kind of coming up Mm -hmm. and i just really appreciate how much they care about the words you know Mm -hmm. and how much like of a focus there is with that and Mm -hmm. like especially zach like zach's working his ass off and just like just always writing and i just think that's super cool and it it's inspiring me to kind of like tap back into that like version of myself at 19 like and you know how how just stoked i was to try to tell a story you know what i mean and and uh so it's kind of like a it's a pretty cool full circle thing right now where i'm getting to see a lot of this and and just another thing that excites me is like the almost like the the barriers and the walls of of genres being broken down Mm -hmm. and just like Mm -hmm. music is is just at a really cool creative place right now and it's it's just exciting and and i'm also excited that people are able to do it without massive gatekeepers Mm -hmm. anymore you know and people Mm -hmm. are able to just get out there and and either work your ass off or don't but you know you have the opportunity if you want to whereas in the past like you could work your ass off all you wanted but there were some serious gatekeepers you had to you know persuade in order to be successful like you know i think back on like otis redding and you know all these guys like way back in the day um sam cook even elvis you know yeah you you had to be in with the gatekeepers or you had no hope at doing anything and right now there's just a lot of uh there's a lot of people that are able to do stuff without all the all all that and that's an that's an inspiring thing and pretty cool that's great i just read in that book i referenced earlier her country which you can't say enough about folks listening or if you haven't read it um she was talking about isbel southeastern and how that was a shift Mm -hmm. and how like that being on his record label and 30 tigers putting it out and like he did everybody knew his talent already yeah but now it's just like it was him doing his own thing the way he wanted to do it on his terms and then of course it's one of the greatest american folk records of all time you Mm -hmm. know and and has ushered in and has inspired people like or before we went on mike we talked about tyler childers who has inspired all these guys that you just mentioned and yeah all these other folks and i think the other point that you brought up that i've that I, i i don't know if i've mentioned on the show before but that i really that means a lot to me is looking at because I think people my age, I'm 42, my age and older. There's a tendency in a lot of them to look at younger generation, especially younger generations of folks who grew up with phones and ubiquitous yeah. internet, and to discount them or to dismiss them because of ha- habits that they developed 
just based on how the world is. Yeah. In my experience as an educator by day and as someone who spends a lot of time around young people is that they're fucking great, man. They're, yeah. they're, they're committed to art. They're creative. They're committed to fashion. They're doing things with fashion, for example, that is, that's melding different generations. It's not like they're just throwing back the nineties with something. It's right. like they're putting their own twist on all these different influences and they're making really cool things and they're using digital mediums to then expand their horizons in ways yeah. that weren't available to people before, but also that like the kids are fucking all right, man. They are all right. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And I think I, I too am inspired by young songwriters that are able and, and authors, you know, folks that are in their twenties and writing just jaw dropping stuff, yeah. you know, I think the only disconnect there is like, this is the only important thing that I would say as a rebuttal to that is mm-hmm. if they're grounded mm-hmm. because people are so like, and it goes back to, I think the old soul thing. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of like people in that wheelhouse are kind of instinctively grounded in a w- weird way. Like uh-huh. just cause you're, I don't know. It's weird. But like the, the only concern that I have with like the generations coming up, cause I agree with you on all of it. The only concern that I have is the, is anybody grounded anymore like mm. in what's real like you know what i'm saying like, i do yeah and and that's and it's so easy to not be grounded these days with mm. all the distraction you mm. know because it takes uh it takes i think almost like a uh it takes like a level of focus to to be grounded and to like you know know what is important and what is like life about what is like this what is spirituality what is like um you know, I don't know. I think it's, it's one of those things. I, that's the only thing I'm like really concerned about with mm-hmm. like, with all of like the digital mediums and stuff and how like, l- like with people's attention spans and things like that. It's like, as long as everybody like stops and remember and, and remembers to like, you know, get real, be grounded, like, you know, and get deep, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's the only thing. But, uh, even myself, like I'm finding myself like, yeah, dude, like get off your phone, like, 100%, you know, dude. like yeah, all of that. I use it as such a. I'm learning. I use it as an escape. Like I've been going through kind of a rough patch lately, and I use it all, a lot of times to just like, and it's not even necessarily social media. It's like mm-hmm. the New York Times games, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'm yeah. like playing Wordle, and which is great. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Spelling bee, and it's like instead of actually sitting and meditating and dealing with the shit I need to deal with. Yeah. Um, there's so many easy apps I can pull up and be like, all right, I'm, I'm on Reddit for the next five minutes. Cause I don't want to fucking deal right. with the depression. That yeah. I need to deal with, <laughs> yeah. You know? Totally. <laughs> Give me that hit of dopamine, yeah, baby. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Anything we can get here. Yeah. And it is harder to zoom out, you know, as a result of that too, I think mm-hmm. to then get grounded, right. To be able to have that perspective. Um, so. totally. And be able to like, to be able to have like a deep conversation with somebody without a phone involved anywhere or yeah. like a phone to like make it less awkward or like, yeah, whatever, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, yeah. like those, I hope that those younger generations are able to do that and like accomplish that, you know, despite yeah. all the distraction. Yeah. You know? Well, I think we pulled it off. I don't think either one of us looked at our phone this <laughs> we, entire I time. Think, I think we're, yeah, I think we made set. it. Yeah. Dude, this has been such a pleasure. Yeah, thank man. you so much, no, man. Thank you. I appreciate I'm really it very much. Yeah. It was good getting to know you. And, yeah, likewise. And, uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll be seeing you as we come out here more often. For sure. That's awesome.
Shane Smith, y'all. Thank you so much, Shane. Thank all of you for listening. ShaneSmithMusic.com for all things Shane Smith and the Saints. Once again, the song you are hearing in this episode is the latest single from the band called Fire in the Ocean. I want to thank everybody in Shane's camp for making this happen, y'all. I try to shout the folks like that out and want to do a better job of it. If you're a fan of this band, just know that everybody involved is professional and generous and sweet as can be everybody was awesome everybody from shane to uh, tour managers to uh, everybody i dealt with was just so wonderful and um you know this is pretty much the experience i typically have thankfully but i just want to once again say hey look if you're a fan of that band also know they seem to be some really great people too marinadepodcast.com for all things the marinade including written pieces photography our online store which is lacking and i need to update and more follow us on instagram tiktok and twitter subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast app tell a friend about the show these are all free ways to support the marinade if you really like what we're doing please consider joining our patreon community where for just a few bucks a month you can gain access to patreon exclusive content like our show jason's journey where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life and provide a window into the process of making the marinade. We also have a brand new monthly show called What We're Getting Down On, which is a conversation between myself and my great friend Peter Haraldson. The first episode is available for free at patreon.com slash marinade podcast. It's also available on the normal marinade feed. I defended in that episode the much derided David O. Russell film Amsterdam that I thought was outstanding. And Peter talked about his video game of the year, Citizen Sleeper. Check it out and let us know what you think. Peter and I have uh, a lot of common interests, but we also, our, our interests diverge quite a bit. So it's super fun to talk to Peter. He ends up getting me into comic books that I wouldn't have otherwise found. He likes, he's really into video games. Uh, I listen to uh, music and, and watch films that maybe he wouldn't necessarily be as interested in unless it was brought to his attention. It's a lot of fun, and he's a dear, dear friend. We've known each other for a long time. Folks seem to be liking it. I hope you are. We're having a blast making it, and the next episode will be coming at you in just a week. So check out Patreon for that. Also on Patreon is our show, Inner Child, where I, I, I ask our guests kind of like childlike questions such as favorite food, TV show, that sort of thing. My inner child with D.L. Rossi will be up on Patreon as soon as I finish recording this. And we just had so much fun, y'all. Patreon.com slash Marinade Podcast if you're interested. If you want to support the show financially, but you don't want to commit to a monthly subscription, maybe you just really liked this episode and want to give us a tip, you can Venmo or PayPal us at The Marinade. All the money goes right back into making the show, and right now that means saving up to cover some festivals. We've been invited to some very cool events through all of the, the wonderful support from every one of you and the work that we've been able to do. And in order to do that, in order to cover these festivals and get to travel a little bit, uh, we need to figure out how to pay for those experiences. But above all, no matter what, I'll always say this, I'm just so thankful that you listen. I'm so thankful you're listening. I'm so thankful you're spreading the word. I'm so thankful you interact with us on Twitter. I'm grateful for your emails, your your 
DMs, they're always open to y'all if you want to reach out and, and connect in that way. I'm just really, really thankful that we're able to do this work and, uh, and we're able to reach the audience that we are. Until next time, go out and create something. Cheers, y'all.